0: The Toby Gribben Show Highlights
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
0: Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Well, we've got a very interesting guest here, Dan Bammer, who describes himself as a racist in recovery. Good afternoon, forward slash good morning today. How are you?
1: I'm doing wonderfully well. How are you doing today? I'm
0: smashing. So a racist in recovery, what does that actually mean specifically?
1: It means that uh, at some point I have recognised that there is racism within. Mm. That's something that I need to work on. And it's something that I will like be working on the rest of my life because it's deeply buried and these are subtle things learned throughout my life especially in childhood so uh, a lot of our life lessons are based in our early childhood memories and it's not necessarily parents telling you directly hey those are black people stay away from them sometimes it's very subtle Uh, for example driving down the street and mom saying lock your car doors as you're driving past a black guy. Mm. So you've got the subtle lessons of life that are deeply buried that most people will never take the time to delve into fully understand and go through therapy to figure out those subtle little seeds of racism that may exist So that's why it's an ongoing issue and that's why I say I'm currently in recovery rather than I am recovered because I don't believe that that's really possible to have it totally in your past.
0: And how much of a racist were you or are you? Is it the way that probably a lot of people are, this sort of maybe subconscious thing or was it much worse than that?
1: It was mostly subconscious on my level. I was raised in a uh, a very white bubble in the rural area, grew up to be a good Catholic person who believed in equal li- equal rights as far as you know your voice says, yeah. but your actions might not always match. Um, in my youth, I would be known to use uh, a lot of racial jokes and uh, sometimes some slurs. And uh, you know there are some high points and low points. A lot of people, most people I grew up with would say that I was not racist. Mm. And uh, so I began to question a lot of the perspectives of where I grew up as I began to travel the world. When I joined the Air Force, it was the first time I really had to uh, live with people of different cultures on a daily basis. And I learned a lot. And uh, so when it came back around to coming back home to St. Louis, that uh, I started to apply some of my life lessons. And I realized that I was a very sheltered child. Mm -hmm. with a very limited perspective. So at church, when we would refer to helping black people, it was in a self-superior condescending way. Mm -hmm. And I can't say that's true for everybody, but I definitely had an elitist attitude due to my faith, like my God's better than your God. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) that really doesn't carry anymore. You know, it's a very childlike mentality, but um, I grew out of that.
0: Yeah. And when was it that you first realized you were a little bit racist?
1: I always had a lot of tension around people of different cultures and colors Mm. and um, I think that my parents had some discomfort and fear base so it was uh, like you know my mom would be the one who would say lock your doors at the sight of a black man my dad's friends would say that you know uh, white jobs are being lost to black people due to affirmative action Mm. so I would see that on a regular basis but I didn't realize that it was sinking in because I wouldn't necessarily agree with him but it really hit hard when the pandemic um, had everyone locked down And we had time to sit and think about it. And I spent way too much time on social media having discussions with people. But I um, did something fairly extraordinary. And I actually listened. Mm. So people who actually know racism and experience racism had a very different point of view. So I listened carefully. And I began to realize that racism wasn't what I thought. So there I would like to put this question. I had a very limited perspective. So I'm going to put this question to you and your audience. Yeah. So do not answer. I don't want to, I really don't want to know the answer, <laughs> but answer in your own head. Uh, would you describe yourself as racist or not racist? And that was my mentality. So think about that answer for a second and lock in your answers, studio audience. And uh, <laughs> the uh, answer I came up with all the time, I was consistently certain that I was not racist. But then I asked the next question, and if our brain's had An operator's manual, the quick start guide would say, ask your brain questions in order to get results. And if I ask yourself, it doesn't. If you ask yourself a different question, then you will get a different answer. And for 55 years of my life, I was certain that I was not racist. And I asked, how do I know that I am not racist? Mm. And I couldn't answer. Every time I came up with an answer, I would realize that it was dependent upon a very limited definition of what it means to be racist. So if you start with, you know, like the top pinnacle of horrible racist stuff. Well, I've never been in the KKK and I've never attended a lynching. Well, that's a pretty easy thing to avoid. So being not racist is very easy. Um, and then, you know, you lower it and I'm like, well, I've never, you know, discriminated upon hiring anybody, but I've never hired anybody. So again, still a very easy bar to clear. And then you keep going down that list of all of the different racial behaviors that people could have. And eventually that list gets watered down. And so you get to the point where you're no longer describing racist act You're talking about things that are prejudice and bias and then I realized that prejudice and bias are just watered down and more socially acceptable versions of racism and that can be even more problematic because those don't get fixed they go undetected like cancer and they continue and they're just said well it's just bias it's not really that bad mm. well is it still hurting people yes it is and I realize that there's uh, it that racism is too vast to easily define to a point where anybody could really claim to be not racist. Mm. To clarify, I do think that there are people who are truly not racist, you know, but to define it, that's very different. I think that's very difficult to do. And uh, I would love it if people would stop using the expression that they're not racist, because when you try and define it, it's a very difficult thing to do. And it also is more of an excuse. uh, And Dr. Shelby Steele wrote a book called Woke Racism. No, I'm sorry, uh, White Guilt. White Guilt was his book. Mm. And in that book, he describes how in the civil rights era. When the country finally started to acknowledge that racism was a real thing, so much so that we had to have legislation against it, that uh, white people galore were immediately disassociating and saying, I'm not racist. And then grand opportunity was missed there because it's like saying, not me, you know, like children playing tag saying, not it, not it. And the last one standing is the person who it. racism doesn't work that way. You can't just say that you're not racist and uh, have it be true you have to actually act upon it. So the other option is to be anti-racist. And these are not static positions. They're ever changing. On a bad day, I could be racist, you know, in a given circumstance. On a good day, I can be actively anti-racist and work hard at it. But the majority of people, if you had, you know, a million people in front of you, most of them would say that they are not racist. And none of them, I think, would be able to define what it means to be not racist. Yeah.
0: It's an interesting thought because most people would go, well, I am not racist and then just leave it there. They wouldn't expand on it like you did.
1: Cuz they wouldn't have an answer. Yeah. It's it's one of those weird little questions that people don't ask. You know, um, and it's very comfortable to be not racist. It's a place where I dwelled in quite ease and comfort thinking that I was not part of the problem. But actually, my contributions were so under the radar, like an undetected cancer, that I was contributing to the problem in a very real way. And I wasn't doing anything to fix it. So therefore, it was sometimes worse than the, you know, overt criminal racism where people see it and then somebody goes to jail or gets tried or uh, remains on the police force So um, so anyway I went a little off path, off uh, track there But that's a whole other path to going on
0: And there might be some people listening thinking This is woke nonsense We're not all subconsciously racist What would you say to that?
1: I say I have no business or no place To tell anyone else their level of racism Whether it is or not Once upon a time I used to think racism was like pregnancy Either you are or you're not. And then if you talk to the victims of racism, then you realize that there's a much varying scale. I'd much rather be denied a job than to be lynched. So yeah. those extreme examples show you that there are levels of racism. And um, yeah, so if you think it's about being woke, which I've been accused of that before, uh, well, I don't think that the term is as derogatory as some people think. Yeah. These are just my perspectives on my life and my behavior. If you feel differently, by all means, proceed with that. I encourage people to question what they have. And that's why I've uh, constructed a course, kind of a support group, social group, but also a course where I streamline the experience that I've had um, to identify step by step the path that I had to take to do the work a lot of books. I read a lot of books. Um, mm. and a lot of books will talk about doing the work and podcasts and, um, you know, online people are saying you need to do the work first before you can speak, you know, with authority. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the work? And they wouldn't be able to answer that <laughs> question. So, uh, I have created a course that, uh, is just getting started. The website is up, uh, people can sign up for it, but I probably won't have a course for a few, or the first part of the course for a few weeks. Mm. And it's step-by-step. How do you Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The course is geared toward uh, racial bias deconstruction. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've sent you the link. I don't know if you can put that link on the website because it's a little bit lengthy. (laughs) It's... my name, M A E D, which stands for Master's of Arts at Education. Um, And it's through the Think Ethic Ethic website. So uh, they build courses. Yeah. So um, very good uh, website, and I'm hoping it to be a very good course. I'm going to need beta testers to help me make sure that I'm answering the questions that everyone has and that my answers do make sense to the general public. Yeah. So any help that people can give me would be appreciated.
0: Yeah. And there'll be a lot of people still listening to this interview after everything that you've said, still going, well, I am not racist. I don't need to go on this course.
1: OK, don't go. I'm fine <laughs> with that. Um, if you're not ready to have the conversation, then, you know, don't have the conversation. Mm. It's, it's perfectly fine with me to accept people where they are. Uh, like I just said, I have a master's in education and important part of that is assessing and acknowledging that the student is where they are without judgment. That's a tough thing to do sometimes, yeah. especially on hot topics like this, but to realize, you know, you are where you are. And if you want to take a step, I'm here for you. I'll do my best to support you. However, I can, if you you know are not ready for that, then that's That's okay, but I hope that you do no harm in the meantime.
0: Maybe if people don't have the time to take the course of whatever, what quick tips are there to be less racist?
1: That's really tough because, okay, I'm going to say something a bit controversial here because there are a lot of well-intending woke people, to use it in a derogatory way, that are trying to help sincerely, but they're actually part of the problem. Mm. So, um, there are a lot of people who are self-described allies. I don't think that that's something you can put upon yourself. If somebody else Mm. describes me as an ally, thank you, I'm flattered, but I can't call myself an ally because, um, you know, the work I do is the work I do. Only those who are receiving the benefits can say whether or not it has value. I put it out there. I try. It's, I don't know, uh, it's completely voluntary upon them to acknowledge whether or not it's pushing in the right direction. Which reminds me, there's a useful metaphor that I came up with, uh, and this may apply uh, to what you're saying, Mm. is that if you were to divide people into groups, like I've done a couple of times in this conversation, and you ask that initial question of, are you racist or not racist? People would describe themselves as not racist, but there are three groups. So if you're fighting racism, the analogy that I have is fighting racism is like pushing a truck Without an engine up a hill, the hill itself, the slope is dependent upon the history of racism and how much uh, our history laws rules have affected how things are in reality. And so people would argue about how steep the hill is. But at the one end of the truck, you have racist people pushing down the hill, Mm -hmm. much easier for them. You have anti-racist people trying to push up the hill, much more difficult. And you have a whole lot of people, I would say the overwhelming majority of people, just sitting on the truck thinking they're doing a good job by not being racist. But in the meantime, their dead weight is contributing to the problem. Mm -hmm. Now, these positions are not static, meaning you're not in one place all your life. Because that was another misassumption that I had was if a racist person is racist, they're racist all the time. Behaviorally speaking, that's not true. The beliefs may be there 24-7, but the behavior changes so on a bad day even a woke person can be pushing the wrong direction and on a good day you're actively pushing with all of your muscle to try and move things in the right direction the thing is i was spending most of my life like 55 years just comfortably in denial thinking that i was a not racist person doing a good job so for your listeners i would say you know the choice is up to you you can stay sitting on the truck thinking that you're not racist and doing a good job with it or you can spend some of your time pushing in the right direction will likely spend some of your time making mistakes and pushing in the wrong direction. And you need to forgive yourself when you make mistakes and do what you can to fix it. Yeah.
0: So what are some of the ways that these well-intentioned anti-racist people are actually adding to the problem
1: a big part is through uh judgment blame and shame one of the challenges with getting over racism is that blame shame and guilt have no benefit they don't help yet there's a strong urge and i completely understand it maybe kind of an old testament mentality of you know you've done wrong and you got to pay for your sins Mm. but when you point fingers and tell people hey you're being racist that doesn't cure racism Mm. That digs in denial. People's defensive systems are strong mm-hmm. and they are automatic and they are built in. And when I started this project, I actually started as an article, kind of grew from there. Um, but when I started this project, the hope was to uh, try and help people say things. But there's so much accusation going on that... People are accidentally feeding the energy of the opposition. Kind of like, I don't know if you've seen the movie X Men, uh, Days of Future Pet. No, it was uh, First Class, where uh, the villain character Sebastian would absorb the energy of people attacking him and respond back in a powerful surge of energy and wipe them all out. When you attack racist people by accusations and condemnation, then they get stronger and they dig in and they're not going to change. But if you slow down and ask them, questions and say, why do you feel that way? Or how do you understand that? And you take a different approach, then you're not feeding the beast. So a lot of woke people are feeding the beast with their judgment, blame, shame, and guilt. Mm. Does that make sense? Because that's a really big topic to try and say in a couple of sentences.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because sometimes I suppose people can be blamed for their ancestors' actions sometimes, and maybe that makes things worse too.
1: It can be, yeah. I mean, I think we have to acknowledge our past, our Mm. history, but I have no, I do not accept the guilt of the past. Yeah. I do not accept the sins of my father or grandfather thank god because phew, that would be a lot of weight to carry yeah. you know generational speaking and um so, yeah, the history has to be acknowledged. But when I finally came forth and said uh, to myself and the world that, hey, I've got racism within me, and I don't—I oh, completely skipped that story, that uh, during the pandemic, as I was listening uh, to all of these different uh, activists, protesters reading books, I was acknowledging that there was racism within, but I wasn't saying the words. Mm. And um, I saw a respected friend who was about the same level that I was as far as becoming anti-racist and realizing that there's stuff going on within them. And she said, uh, somebody called her out and said that she was being racist. And she said, I know, but she wouldn't say the words. And that inspired me to go online and foolishly state, you know, it's one of those things where you jump off the bridge without really checking. (laughs) Um, And I jumped off the bridge saying, hi, this is very much like a uh, person at their first Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, very nervously saying, hi, my name is Dan and I'm a racist. I've been in recovery for 30 plus years. Would anyone else like to share? and that got a lot of people asked a lot of questions and those those questions were not easy to answer in the short form so i was trying to answer with an article which for a while there was going to be a book and then i turned it into a course because i'm already a teacher so where we can talk about these different st- steps stages uh and topics bit by bit and i'm not sure if the course is going to be you know five weeks long or ten weeks long or. Mm-hmm whatever, but we will see how it ends up. Yeah.
0: Where are we able to keep up to date with you everywhere and find the course and everything?
1: I don't recommend my TikTok account for cohesive information because it's little bits and pieces. But my TikTok name is Racist in Recovery. And uh, that's where you can see my little short videos on stuff. And it's very casual. Yeah. My website with the course, which is a bit more formal, but still, you know, I like to keep it conversational, um, is my name, Daniel dot boy, A-L-M-E-R. M-A-E-D, which is Masters of Arts in Education. That's my designation there. Um, Thinkific.com. So you can find me there. Those are the two main places right now. I also have a YouTube channel, but it's not worth going to yet.
0: (laughs) Well, many thanks for coming on the show today. It's been very interesting to talk to you.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, I've enjoyed your show now that I know that it exists (laughs) and uh, I will continue to be listening. So thank you so much.
0: The throbbing hosts of sounds of sound The Toby Gribbon show